correctness running amok in London? And what does this mean for the U.S.? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, have I got a story for you today. <laughs> I went to London uh, to see the Queen, but she didn't have time for me. <laughs> um, next time, that's my goal, to have tea with the Queen next time. But I went this time because my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, won an award in the children's book category from the London Book Festival. So that um, set me on a whirlwind tour uh, of London and Manchester, a book tour, and I, it was fabulous. And I'll tell you a little bit about it. And um, I also want to tell you about what I discovered in London that we are not being told in the US. We do not have the proper picture of the complexity of terrorism in the UK. We know we hear about the terror attacks. In fact, in previous podcasts, I've analyzed all the other attacks. I've put the terrorists on my couch from the London attacks, as well as you know all the major attacks that there have been around the world. Um, but it's not that simple. It is not just a city or a nation cowering or keeping a stiff upper lip even um, against terrorists. There are terrorist sympathizers. Uh, it's, it's very, very surreal. That's all I can say. So let me just start by telling you about my trip and how I was progressively learning about all these complex issues in uh, London and the UK in general. So first, um, well, early on uh, in my trip, it was, it was almost two weeks, and early I did a book signing in London in a wonderful bookstore um, called, that's a barge floating on the river. Um, and I did a book signing later on. I went to Manchester one day, spent the whole day in Manchester, and um, I donated my book to the library and to the mayors and so on. I gave, I donated some books in London as well to some charities, mental health charities and different uh, places where I thought it would do good. And, um, but alongside all of that, well, the, I, I did a, an appearance on um, their top show, Good Morning Britain, and uh, it, to talk about the book. And I had been forewarned that they like to do things that are very, um, you know, controversial, because then the rest other media pick up on it. And so it gets more ratings because people, you know, become more interested in the show as they hear about all these interesting controversies. So, okay, I was prepared for that. And, and they asked me if I was okay with having someone debate me. And they had um, a head of school, a man who was head of school, um, being the one who was supposed to debate me on the merits of my book. <laughs> well, okay, that's fine. Um, but I did not expect, I mean, he was a rather tame debater. 
So that wasn't a problem. But I was sort of caught unawares by the two women presenters, as they call it, you know, anchors. Um, it wasn't Piers Morgan. I was a little disappointed that it wasn't him. But he was uh, in Davos at the time. He was, you know, getting ready for his interview with Trump. And by the way, Trump is in the news, television, radio, print. Uh, he is in the news in Great Britain almost as much as in the U.S. I mean, they just delight in mostly poking fun of him. Um, although I've had a wonderful time with everyone. You know, I, everybody was really nice and, and um, interested in my book and, and uh, uh, you know, just, just friendly and all that. But there was a distinct um, anti-American slash anti-Trump um, feeling in, in the media in any case. So, okay, so I went on the show and I'm talking, and what they did was um, they picked the most sensationalistic aspects of my book. I mean, they took things out of context and made it seem pretty ridiculous. Um, when I went to sit down and I saw a picture on the camera of, um, you know, presumably the most, um, the most controversial picture in the book, uh, that was on the camera, so I knew right away where things were going. And then um, they took other things out of context. And the book is for kids 5 to 14. And just, you know, just in case you haven't heard this from me before, it's a book um, that is, first of all, it's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. And the first half of the book is for parents and teachers and therapists, um, anyone who is dealing with children. And it talks about how to talk to children. It talks about um, how to recognize symptoms in children of distress, even though the children won't relate it to terrorism per se. It talks about there are, there are things that um, grown-ups can do to help build resist, resilience in children. And then the second half of the book is, is a picture book for children. And so that's where they took this one particular picture about a terrorist um, from. Now, it, it's... It, it, in the text of the book that go, this is now I'm talking about the children's picture book, and in the text of that picture book, um, I explain about you know I answer questions. What is a terrorist? And I start by describing a terrorist as the is like a big bully on the playground and so on. And I do you know if terrorists were blondes in bikinis, I would have pictures in the book of blondes in bikinis. But we know what is shown on television, and let's just look at London, for example. The attacks that there have been in London, both, it, well, London and Manchester, have been radical Islamists. Homegrown or whatever, but they are radical Islamists. And that is what I had in my book. Well, that was, uh, they made that seem very, and I have a picture of Osama bin Laden, because that's history. Um, and then I, in my, in the children's part, um, I have a part where you interact and you express your feelings and so on. And I have a part at the end, 10 things to do to incorporate into your life to make your, you safer from a terrorist. Uh, but not, it's, I'm not talking about hiding. I'm talking about um, things that you just do to make yourself physically and, and psychologically stronger. So anyway, they took out, um, I talk about 
food and nutrition and making keeping your body and mind healthy and so on and they pick out one thing where I, I mentioned vitamins i'm really talking about nutritious food but then i also mentioned you know like it would be especially good if you uh take vitamins as well and so they picked out the vitamin part and they said she says to take vitamins to to uh, run away from a terrorist <laughs> it made it seem ridiculous but okay you know the segment was supposed to be five minutes and it turned out to be 10. So they were obviously having um, a good time, knew it was great controversy, and it was. And I was fine with that because I got 10 minutes to explain um, about the book, and it was really good. Okay, then fast forward to the end of my stay in uh, the UK. I, I extended it because I found out that there was a terror, terrorism conference being put on, um, by a group of psychoanalysts, and I am a psychoanalytically oriented uh, psychiatrist. In fact, I studied in London under Anna Freud. So I was, I thought this is great. So I went to the conference, and they had some good speakers, and um, they, the conference was on a Friday night and all day Saturday. And after each day, um, they would have a large group, it was called, um, and sort of like group therapy, but not really that intense, more like just expressing your thoughts and your feelings. So the leader of the group, a psychoanalyst, started off by saying something like, we should all, you know, why don't we talk about our feelings and thoughts about terrorism, since that's what, you know, had been, that's what the conference is about. So instead of people talking about, and this got worse on Saturday night, it was on Friday night and Saturday night that we had these large groups, and it, what I'm, it just got worse as, as Saturday night um, came along. I mean, it kind of progressed throughout the conference in terms of the questions that were asked of the speakers and in terms of um, what was said in these large groups. So, and I, not being shy, um, I had quite a lot to say throughout the conference. Um, but instead of talking about psychological aspects of terrorism in these large groups or even asking the questions since this was put on by a psychoanalytic group um, it got into politics it was all politics um, people were saying it started out by someone saying um, that they they don't think that terrorism has affected their life that they're more affected by uh the government having surveillance on them and then different people said things and i just couldn't hold back any longer and i said of course your life is affected by terrorism and i went into a whole uh, rant <laughs> about how it, their life has been affected by terrorism and how, and then later on, I talked about how, um, you know, we're supposed to be talking about our feel. We just heard, um, you know, on Friday night, we heard two speakers, and then Saturday all day, we heard speakers. I said, we just, so I said it twice on each of those nights. I said, we, we've just been hearing speakers um, talk about terrorism, and obviously, this must have brought up feelings in you uh, fear, anger sadness for all the people in London and Manchester who died or were injured, uh, feeling bad, all kinds of feelings. And instead of talking about this, you're in such denial. You're denying that terrorism has affected you at all. And to the extent that you're talking about terrorism, it's getting mad at each other. Because there were people who got mad that the speakers were actually talking about ISIS as terrorists 
really? <laughs> what rock were they hiding under? Um, they were talking about, about um, how things that really, well, no, I, I should say um, that this conference was put on at Amnesty International in London. So there were people, so about two-thirds of the audience was um, psychotherapists, and about a third was um, uh, <laughs> Amnesty International people. Let's just put it like that. Um, and not that I have anything necessarily against Amnesty, I mean, against, I'm not saying everyone in Amnesty International, uh, I guess this, this attracted a particular group. In any case, they were talking about, uh, they were basically sympathizing with the terrorists. And they were saying things like, well, I could have a terrorist inside of me, you know, um, all the things that are going on in the world, I could be a terrorist. Um, you know, not me. They were saying they could be terrorists. <laughs> um, they were talking about how in 2002, uh, Bush declared war on terror, and it was really terrorism is the fault of the United States because uh, we went into the Middle East for oil. Uh, we were just pretending that it was because of terrorism, even though this was right after 9-11, right? Um, and so we created the terrorists. Americans created the terrorists. There was even a woman who talked about how she wanted to shoot Trump. I mean, it got crazy. These were professionals. Well, maybe not all of them, apparently, I guess. But um, it just, it just, it, it, I mean, it just seemed like it was so out of character um, so uh, instead of, there was, no, I was the only one talking about psychology to tell you the truth. Um, I kept making these interpretations about how, because people are stirred up, you know, um, for, because of all this talk about terrorism, that they were letting it out, projecting it onto each other, uh, the fear and the anger and so on. And that, you know, really we should get back to the topic at hand, folks, talking about, you know, why terrorists do what they do, and, and um, maybe even, I even had the, had the uh, I don't know, audacity or, or um, strangeness of mind to suggest that since there were a lot of therapists in the room, that maybe we should talk about how to help people cope with terrorism. Well, you know, my remarks were met with crickets. I mean, it was like, she didn't just say that. I, I mean, everyone was, well, everyone who I talked to at the, at the meeting was really nice, and there were a lot of smart, nice people there, but the people who were speaking up um, were these people who were very angry and who, you know, were taking the side of the terrorists. So then um, I have looked into this a little further, and have found out that, um, in fact, this is not just limited to the, this terrorism conference, um, that there is this whole, um, there, there is this growing sense in London in particular, because in Manchester, you know, people were much, I didn't come across any terrorist sympathizers when I spent the day in Manchester. Uh, you know, of course, that was the site of the Ariana Grande concert, and I think they knew full well who terrorists were and were not sympathetic to them. Um, 
but and I, I would talk, you know, I took cabs. So I went to a lot of different places um, and, you know, uh, in regard to, to um, signing and reading my book. And by the way, when I did this, um, you know, the kids who were at the parents and the kids who were at my book signings were very um, open to talking about this, the kids especially. They were attracted to the book. They wanted to know more about it, um, you know. And, and while on Good Morning uh, Britain, you know, the, the, some of the things that were brought up were, uh, do you really want to tell a five-year-old about terrorism? Um, and, and, you know, my book is for five to 14-year-olds. And not just by, and I talked about how uh, in the book, in fact, in the adult section, I talk about how you have to sort of uh, decide how much you're going to share with your child from the book in one sitting, depending upon their age and depending upon how psychologically mature they are and all that. So I make all of that clear. Um, but, uh, but they were talking about that, the, you know, the age and so on. And um, these kids, they were, they were, I guess maybe the youngest was about five, but they were all different ages, and they were all very, they, they were not, not only interested, but they were all very grateful. I and mean, this is what I've been getting in the United States as well, that the kids are grateful that there is a grown-up who is willing to talk to them about terrorism, who is willing to not continue to pretend to them that this thing called terrorism doesn't exist. It's like a relief to them. But on Good Morning Britain, you know, they were trying to say that kids should be just left with their innocence. Now, left with their innocence. I mean, there have been, in the past couple of years, as you know, and as I said, I, I talked about in my podcast, there have been several terrorist attacks in London, and then the one in Manchester. And London is relatively small, I mean, you know, compared to the size of the United States. So these terror attacks were literally at their doorstep. So it is no question that kids five years old and even younger have heard the word terrorism, have seen the pictures on the television of the terrorist attacks and the people being killed and wounded. You know, we've all seen that. The pictures in the streets um, of people lying in the streets who were killed and, and wounded. The kids have seen this too. And for parents to just pretend that they don't know anything about this and let's not tell them, <laughs> let's pretend they don't know and we can keep it from them. And that's it, just, not only is it totally unrealistic, what happens is that the kids are forced to stuff their feelings down, their fear, their anger, their sadness, um, their confusion, all of that. They stuff down because they don't have anybody to talk to about it. And then what happens is when anybody stuffs feelings down, whether it's about terrorism or about grief or, you know, anything, um, any trauma in life, you, that causes psychological, more serious psychological problems. And especially in kids, you know, as they're growing up and they're developing their psyche and all that, they can develop really serious psychological problems if their feelings are not talked about with them, helped if parents and teachers don't help them to express their feelings and talk about this in a way that's less confusing, then they're going to develop psychological problems like PTSD and like uh, major depression and like all kinds of other problems. 
So there's no question that this is needed. But getting back to what I was saying, how I've looked into this further, um, this denial and this, this terrorism, terrorist sympathy that's pouring. And um, it's really a more serious problem that is affecting the country, and especially London, um, more than that. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's like surreal. I'm going to tell you a couple of examples, and they're like surreal. Now, this just happened today. Um, there was a man who was convicted today uh, of being guilty of carrying out a murderous attack on Muslims in London. Now, he did, you know, he did commit the attack. There's, there's no question about that. But how he came about to do this is very interesting. Um, he watched a BBC drama on the Rochdale rooming scandal. There's, um, there was a, a television drama based upon a true story of girls um, who were raped by, um, by Pakistani terrorists. And he watched this, um, this um, drama on television and um, he became a ticking time bomb. He, the, the play or the drama was called Three Girls based on these events where they were raped and abused by a group of predominantly British Pakistani men. And after he saw that, you know, he was outraged and he started going on the internet and finding out more about uh, terrorists. And um, they are saying that he became brainwashed against Muslims after he started looking into things on the internet that are about um, things, you know, that the terrorists are doing. Now, he's, um, he is 48. Uh, this uh, man, his name is Darren Osborne, and he was convicted of murdering 51-year-old Makram Ali and attempting to murder others. He drove his van into a group of worshippers who had just left a mosque in the Finsbury Park area of North London. And this was in last June, but he was just convicted today. Now, you know, it's, it, when, when they describe him becoming, they describe him becoming radicalized. They use the word radicalized in quotes, single quotes. Um, but, you know, they're saying that they, he was radicalized by right-wing propaganda talking about uh, terrorists. Now, I don't know about you, but there is, I have seen some of these videos on the internet that have been around for quite a while. I mean, I'm sure there are new ones, but um, they are, there are real videos of um, people, terrorists, immigrants coming into Europe in different countries. Uh, they show Germany, of course, they show Italy. Um, I, I don't remember if the videos that I saw were, some of them were of London, but you see, um, you do see them. We, we all know, I mean, I hope you know, that there have been incidents of um, terrorists raping girls and women. So this man, uh, who's a father of four, um, became irate and started, you know, looking into all of this. He, he, they say he was viewing extreme right-wing material online and um, things that were posts from the English Defense League and the Britain First group. And um, when I was in London, there was something in the news. It was part of uh, 
um, part of the interview that Piers Morgan did of Trump. And he asked Trump about this, you know, a couple of his tweets that he, he uh, Trump had retweeted some video from apparently uh, this group, Britain First, and Piers was kind of questioning him about that, you know, wasn't this racist and so on. And, and Trump hadn't really done a study of, of Britain First, you know, so he, he said, and it was very smart the way he said it, he said, if you're telling me that this is a racist group, then I apologize, but I, didn't, I don't know about this group. So, you know, he, he didn't admit that he wasn't, he wasn't saying, I absolutely apologize. He was saying, if you're telling me this, and if, you know, basically if that's true, then I apologize for posting it. But clearly he needed to look more into the group. But, you know, the, the thing is, it, it, it has become so, um, I mean, people are getting more angry at people who um, dare to say that terrorists are bad <laughs> than they are at the terrorists. So, um, you know, what happened with this man, he drove around just after midnight, he spotted a group of Muslim men who were walking on this road on Finsbury Park, you know, after they had gone to the mosque, and, um, and he ran them over, and, um, and one of the men had been already on the ground because he wasn't feeling well. And so he killed that man. You know, it turned out he killed that man. And he injured some others. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that that's right, of course. You know, I'm not saying people should do that. But the way that he is written about uh, also, well, really what they, they um, he wrote in his van or in his, that he used to run over these people, um, there were, there was a note where he uh, wrote some things like um, he called labor leader Jeremy Corbyn a terrorist sympathizer. He called London Mayor Sadiq Khan a disgrace. Now, London Mayor, um, he's Muslim, and um, he has done a number of pro-Muslim or not anti-terrorist things, like the most famous of which is that um, when there was an attack, one of the, after one of the attacks in London, he said, uh, well, this is what you get when you live in a big city. This is what you should expect if you live in a big city. Really? We should expect, now I've talked about this in previous podcasts and so on, we should, and I've tweeted about this, that we should expect if we live in a big city, we have to put up with terrorist attacks. So I, in, in driving in, I started to say I was using cabs to go to all the different places that I had to go because um, I was trying, you know, I had to cover a lot in the time that I was there. And so I would ask all of the cabbies how they felt about terrorism and what, how they felt about what was going on in London. And not a one, um, a, they all were not happy with the mayor, first of all. Um, they all thought that he was a terrorist sympathizer. When I asked how it was that he got elected, they said um, that it's because of the overrun of an immigrant population in London who voted for him. And, um, and they were, you know, very upset about what was happening to their city and about the influx of terrorists and so on and the radicalization of homegrown terrorists. Um, you know, of homegrown people who in, in the UK, well, they became homegrown terrorists. 
And, um, you know, they, they were not saying this party line. Uh, they, were, they were not being PC in the cab, right, in their own cab. Um, and they were very worried about um, what was happening to their city. And now just to give you another example, this one is also outrageous. Um, there is, this just happened, there's a man named Roy Bonner who had been called the Lion of London Bridge because he fought off knife-wielding terrorists um, during one of the attacks in last, this past June. And um, he's 48 years old. He was called the Lion of London Bridge because of, you know, he was called a hero. Um, and he was stabbed during this attack as he was trying to protect pub goers uh, during the London Bridge attack. And he said Mayor Sadiq Khan shouldn't even be in the country. And he called him a pile of S asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> and, um, and he was just recently fined. He was fined, the hero, the one who, who got injured himself trying to protect people in a pub, Londoners in a pub, from terrorist attackers. Um, he was fined 50 pounds because he called Muslims scum. Now, I mean, I, I certainly am not an Islamophobe. Actually, I write in my book about how Islamophobia is bad uh, in both the grown-up section and the children's section. I talk about not judging people by the way they look or the religion that they practice. I am very, very sensitive to all of that. But, you know, um, Here's this man who was who who could have been killed, um, who risked his life to protect Londoners, and somehow I think he deserves to be able to call um, these people terrorists scum. Um, but instead, you know, he's the one who is fined. Now, in this uh, London Bridge attack, there were um, it was a van and knife rampage and eight people were killed and 48 others were injured before the attackers were gunned down by cops. So, um, you know, and, and, and there's a video of him and he's walking with two big dogs. You know, clearly this man, at the very least, he has PTSD. So whenever he calls anybody, that should be taken with a grain of, he should be, he should be forgiven for it because of what he uh, experienced, the trauma that he experienced, almost being killed himself, again, risking his life. Instead, he's being fined 50 pounds. So this sympathy in London for terrorists is very, very dangerous and has got to be stopped. And in the United States, you know, I've, I've said PC is going to be the death of us and um, we need to take a take note of what's happening in London. And I London is a beautiful, wonderful city. Um, I went to plays while I was there. I went to museums, um, took a little time out from my book promoting. And it is a fabulous, I love London. I lived in London when I studied with Anna Freud. I also studied at the Maudsley. I love London. And so it makes me really, really sad to see what's happening, this surreal um, change. All right, well, I will leave it at that. <laughs> My name is Dr. Carol. I'm your terrorist therapist. 
Um, let me give you my website so you can look up more things that, uh, more rants that I have to say about terrorism. Uh, you can go to www.terroristtherapist.com, terroristtherapist.com. And then if you would like to, I, my book is uh, wherever books are sold, uh, brick and mortar shops, uh, online and so on. And also, um, if you would like to get it from a publisher, you can go to www.terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. So thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, the Terrorist Therapist.